0: So you go into a treatment center and in 30 days after you've been in, uh, in addiction for 10 years, in 30 days you're cured and everything's perfect in life. Sounds like a good deal, right? Yeah. Well, it's not the way it works. And, and, and a lot of people go through several treatment centers and still have work to do. And that's one of the things we'll talk about today on today's edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm your host, Randall Carlisle. My co-host is Nicole Slack, and our guest is Dallas Corvallis. So welcome, everybody. Uh, <clears throat> you just told me that we met years ago mm-hmm. at, yeah. at when you were in one of Odyssey's programs. Yes, right, that's right. And so how many
1: programs have you gone through? So that was uh, time number two for me in Odyssey House. Um, I'd been there once before back in 2014 and 15. Uh, the, they didn't have all the other facilities at the time. So right. I was just at what they call downtown at the main house there um, for 11 months, 11 and a half months, um, and I completed that successfully um, and then I, you know, I've been to other treatment facilities, um, I would say. So let's see, That's I've, I've been to six total treatment facilities. OK. Mm-hmm.
0: I heard. A, I don't know if it's a wives tale or not, but that the average number of treatment facilities you go through on the average just for, pe- for people who then come out with long term recovery is seven. Okay. Does that Sounds sound, so. So, yeah, right. so you're so close. I'm right around <laughs> average then,
1: yeah. If you count the one inside of uh, the county jail here in Salt Lake City, then I guess that would be seven. Oh. Counting oh. the Cats program that the Odyssey House runs. It wasn't Odyssey House run at the point. Right. Yeah. So if you count that, then I'm right at average. Well, way so. to go. Yeah. <laughs> go. Jeez. Right on par. And, and, and
0: why is that? Uh, you know, a lot of people say, <clears throat> well, I mean, okay, if it, if it worked your seventh time why didn't it work your second time why is that
1: um i would say a lot of times um we're just in a place where we're maybe not ready we're forced to go uh through the courts um or we are in a place where we think that you know if we just do like you said a 30 days somewhere or 60 days somewhere then we're good to go after that and we're healed and it's uh that's not the case. It's never been the case for me, so you know
0: who you you uh when you went through the program, you went through with people who had been in there several times, right yeah,
1: yeah. oh yeah, I'm well, sorry. yeah.
0: Well, both she went yeah. through the program too mm-hmm. so uh and, and what did they th- i mean because it seems like people have a different attitude each time they go through a program.
2: I think everyone just has to have the aha moment and if you don't have it, then you're gonna then you're not done so i I don't know what makes it happen, but
0: I wish we had some magic yeah. formula and just say, okay, <laughs> it worked.
2: This will be your time. Yeah. yeah. No, I I saw people that went through it angry and then came back a few months later and like were at peace that time and they were ready and just I don't know. Everyone has to have their moment, I think. Yeah. I guess they call it rock bottom, but I don't know. I was hanging out at rock bottom <laughs> for a long time. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and then somebody said the other day that I I thought I was at rock bottom, but then I found an even rockier
1: bottom. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was able to find a a deeper rock bottom each time, you know, even when I thought there's no way it could get worse, you know, from almost losing my leg. Like I absolutely should have lost my leg due to an infection due to my addiction. And um, that wasn't enough. Like I had to go to wound care appointments for seven months straight, you know, and they debreed it and all that after major surgeries and stuff. And I still have, my whole leg is not the same. It's all discolored and stuff where the bacteria ate away all my skin and flesh. And um, a month after that was done, uh, a month later, this knee got that same MRSA infection in it. um, And I went to the hospital and uh, I think it was Rachel came and saw me there, got me over to Odyssey House for my third time um, back during the COVID times and um, I ended up having a pick line in Okay. and I ended up leaving there with a pick line, with a pick line in, which is obviously like, uh, you know, I couldn't be out there with it because of my, I was a high risk to have a pick line in and for drugs. And I ended up unfortunately, you know, doing that and, um, so there was a deeper rock bottom that I found. I ended up homeless again, you know, for my fourth time. And
0: what the uh, what's your, what's your background? Why what
1: <clears throat> with addiction uh-huh. and, and
0: when it started and how you've had to deal with it?
1: Yeah, so I, I'd say it started. In all honesty, i I was, I was in this, been this big denial for such a long time, and I, I blamed it on this and that, and um, you know never told the truth. And uh, actually started <clears throat> with uh, meth and other substances when I was. 15, you know, really? about 15 years old. Um, I'm not sure why. I just always had that experimental mindset and, like, I wanted to try this. Um, I know that I was seeking to escape um, a lot of just anger and pain that I felt inside. Um, and so I would just seek uh, substances for that reason. Um, I then was able to get away from alcohol and some of the substances and go to college and play a college sport really played basketball in college i was pre-med you know academic all-american two years in a row um my junior and senior year i uh, was applying for medical school and then i just started down uh, a road of you know cocaine and then that you know eventually led me to rehab and then i eventually got into heroin and um and then methamphetamine but um you know, I, I had all these, all these excuses. Like I would tell people, oh, well, I was in a rollover car accident where I fractured my C3 vertebrae, which happened. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I got hooked on opiates. And I would leave out all that other stuff that really was the real truth, was my real truth. And so, you know, um, I tried leaving States. I went to Wyoming and that was my last time, my last stint in jail and everything. And I had my aha moment. And that's what, you know, I, it really led me to a place where I had to surrender. Like, I literally just, I was looking at prison here. I was on the run from Utah County, Salt Lake County, APMP, and um, up there. I had already been on, on, put on probation up there and APMP up there. And I still went on the run. Um, and... You know, hit a jackpot at the casino up there in, in Evanston and didn't have the ra- the ID to provide. So I tried to use a my buddy's ID and then the co- they called the cops, obviously. And that's how I got arrested for my very last time I've ever been to jail. And, um, wow. you know, I had I just was in there and I just had I just was going to prison. And I knew that and I, I prayed and um, I'm not I've never been one to really like big, big believer in higher powers and God and all those things. And um it's it's something that i really have leaned on through my recovery is like i pray like i pray and i'm and that keeps me in a place of gratitude and and honestly being grateful every day is what's helped keep me sober and clean because it makes it reminds me of how much i have to be thankful for and i know that i didn't do it all myself that's not possible like i've always tried to will myself into recovery and will myself into staying sober and and that's never worked that's for me. tough to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I can't do that on my own. So,
0: with uh, I, I always looked. I've, I've never been a very religious person, and my my sponsor uh, said uh, pr- try praying in the morning and praying in the evening. And if you don't know who or what or whatever you're praying to, just. Think about your loved ones and think some good thoughts for them, and and do it for a couple of minutes. Okay, and 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 his conclusion, and I would agree because I still don't know whether there's. I, I'm sure there's something greater than us, but I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it? It's a form of meditation.
2: I, I mean, you're focusing
0: on. You know, it, it. you call it prayer if you want, but it is meditation.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a good time to sit, think, focus. I I always, I'm not religious at all. I'm very much atheist. And I. I find that people that pray or whatever, like, it's a really good time, like, however that is. And if there's a higher power and if that's what they believe in, but they're still taking that moment to, like, think about something and find a peace and to right. really consider things and... I think that's never a bad thing.
0: Yeah, no. Well, Dallas, people watching or listening to this would say, if you were pre-med and and obviously you were doing well, why would you be so stupid (laughs) as to screw up your life with drugs?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. What would your answer be? I mean, because a lot of people sort of watch these podcasts or listen to them out of curiosity. Mm -hmm. Some of them have addicted loved ones and they want to, hopefully get some answers but a lot of people just are curious
1: about drug addiction yeah I spent a lot of time trying to think back on why I would choose to get involved with you know cocaine and um, you know go from using it a couple times recreationally with some guys I ran into you know when we're out hanging out at the bar or whatever to I mean I made a quick leap into just uh, IV cocaine use like within you know probably two months and um i think honestly i had a really hard time it's it's kind of weird because i have a hard time with failure and dealing with that um and also success and allowing myself to be successful and happy i just always struggled with that so I was applying for medical school. I didn't get in my first time around. I didn't do great on my MCATs. Um, I was extremely disappointed, and, like, I, you know, I just felt like my whole life was crumbling when I didn't get in. Um, And also I had a a really hard time with um, letting go of the past. I had a hard time with being accountable and and responsibilities, as weird as that sounds. Um, So... When I didn't get in, and I was forced to get a, you know, a, a legitimate job in at least in that science field, you know, um, I just didn't manage it well. I had a hard time, just kind of moving forward with my life. I was living in nostalgia at all times, and so I basically didn't want to be responsible and take on any responsibility in life. And so I just started partying, and. Um, I just things fell apart really fast so it's just interesting that I would choose to do that and I had so many opportunities to stop loved ones you know everything they all encouraged me to stop they tried to get me help you know I went to my first treatment center in 2012 did fairly well you know did their sober living um, got a sponsor Uh, did all the things that, you know, I was encouraged to do or suggested of me. Uh, I, I prayed, but none of it felt genuine, you know, looking back on it, none of it was like genuine. I feel like I was always doing it to appease my family, parents, loved ones, you know, to make them happy and, um,
2: going through the motions,
1: going through the motions. And, uh, I didn't take all the suggestions. I got into an early relationship in recovery, and um, With somebody else in recovery, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <So laughs> mistake. Yeah, so yeah. I did that um, pretty much every single, every single time I got out of treatment, yeah. or in treatment actually. Why?
0: Why do you think they say don't date somebody from? An AA meeting or don't
1: date somebody from the recovery center for what, yeah. what at least a year or yeah. something like that and i that would be something that <clears throat> i would really advise everybody do because you can follow that guideline if you, if you can because i'll give you a story when i met you when i was in the lighthouse back in 2000 i think 18, 19 mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, i met a, a, a female there um, another client and we started you know, passing notes and then it went further. And then, um, I, I got out, you know, I completed that part and I would transfer it out to outpatient um, with another treatment facility. And, uh, she left within two weeks to come be with me. And she is not, she's no longer with us. She, she's now, she's passed away. And so an overdose. Yeah. And, uh, I ended up saving her life the first time in a hotel room, um, you know and uh she was in the hospital coma and all that and uh just a bunch of stuff came with it and then within another year or so she's since passed away unfortunately wow. so and you know there's some of that guilt that you carry because you know who knows if i if we if i wouldn't if we wouldn't have engaged in that relationship she may not have left and she might have gotten some of the help that she need, some more of the help she needed you know and so mm-hmm. it's a very serious thing I, i think it's you know, not only has it taken me back out of you know recovery, taken me back into using, um, on many occasions, but it really is like, legitimately life or death. You know, so yeah, uh, with anything in addiction, that's. And you know,
0: obviously, you were, you were pre-med, and and you got to the point where you had. Where, was it because of you were doing IV injections in your legs, or
1: or um, why did you get the? So, no, at the time, I mean, we, oddly enough, after that, uh, this is going to sound, but after that it ate away the skin and a lot of emulsified, a lot of the fat here, it exposed the veins. And so I didn't really start doing IV until after that. So in my legs, at least. Okay. Well, How did your legs um, get so bad? Um, it's just uh, not reusing syringes. Um, they didn't have the you know, the, so the, exchange the, the, the needle exchange then. program yeah. then. So, um, yeah, just doing that, um, or at least I didn't know about it. I'm sure they had some form of it, but I didn't know about it. And, yeah, just using those, and it, they can travel. It travels. Yeah. And then, obviously, where you have poor circulation, it's going to definitely the bacteria and stuff isn't going to be able to be, you know, expelled from your body. Your lymph nodes and stuff don't carry that out as easily um, where you have slower circulation like down in your extremities or legs especially because it has to travel back up so 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 where are you at now so now in my life um so i got out of uh jail in wyoming with nothing but the clothes on my back and um you know i didn't know anybody up there i had nobody my family wasn't speaking to me and and, um at the time and i wasn't going to reach out to them and ask them for help for the who knows 25th 50th time who knows and you know um let them or even ask them to enable me because you know they were they were done um and I didn't want to do that to them because I you know I wasn't sure I was gonna get past get over the hump or anything like that um so I got out of there with the clothes on my back went straight to a few businesses got a job for $11 an hour um reached out to the church got some help for two weeks to get a motel and um Worked, and I uh, took took ownership of my life. Really, was the biggest thing was I just started praying, and I took ownership of my life. And um, yeah, I'm now living here in West Jordan. Uh, I moved back down here to be closer to my family, who's back in my life. I got married. I have a baby on the way in September. Wow. Yeah, so uh, I have four stepdaughters, and um, yeah, we we got we bought a house. Um, I have a really good job. Um, I. I really just felt like the only piece missing in my life was I really wanted to give back to the recovery community because I'm telling you, that, that's that's the most important thing to me. Like, you know, right now, I think in my recovery it would be to give back because so many people help me. It makes me emotional. So many people touch my life, and I would not be here if it wasn't for them. I would have given up if it wasn't for Odyssey House, mainly, you know. Wow. They did so much for me. So, yeah.
0: It's amazing, people, People. I think people on the outside, don't, and not, it's not just Odyssey House, but people, but treatment centers, I mean some of them are just in in it for the money, the, the for-profit right. centers, Yeah. Uh, and, and they create a lot of profit, and they charge a ridiculous amount of money mm-hmm. for treatment. But the the, the non-profit treatment centers, I, I would say almost everybody I've ever met who works in them cares about our clients. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a job. It's like we we want you to mm-hmm. succeed. Mhm. You, would you do agree with that? I I mean, you yeah. you obviously <laughs> work with our clients so so closely and and I can see that you care.
2: Yeah. If someone wouldn't have done that for me, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And the silly thing everyone says if I can just help one person, then I've done enough. And If I can help someone feel better about one little thing that, you know, something happening in treatment and it keeps them there and they live, like, how amazing is that? So if every day, anything that even seems small to me isn't small to them. So I'm just, I don't know. Someone did it for me. Someone cared about me. Someone listened to me. So I want to do that for someone else
0: it's yeah. cool that you want to give back how do how, how
1: are you doing that are you communicating with this was my i've made a call to callie i reached out to callie and uh, just asked her hey do you know what can i do to help uh do you want me to speak somewhere do you want me to go okay. visit the what can i do to help like i just want to help Great. give back because like i don't know if i'm allowed to say names. That are in the facility, no, not, nice names. not clients, but I can see yeah. okay. Uh, so like Kim, I saw Kim out here just now, and like she was a huge part of my my initial my first time I was in Odyssey House, huge part of my recovery. She was tough love kind of person, but you know <laughs> she cares. Yes, yeah. amazing person. Like I wouldn't be here. Like Cheryl was my therapist when I was in. You know, like before she, you know, uh, wow. Like I was, she was so perfect for me. Like she really didn't take any of my crap, and I was good at manipulating and stuff like that and sure. so she didn't she didn't let me do all any that. addicts are heather right. you know so all those, yeah. those all of them were very and see that's cool that, for me. that you you remember them all mm-hmm. and they meant a lot to you mm-hmm.
2: and just because you didn't recover right then doesn't mean they didn't have a profound impact
1: exactly they changed me as a person like the, that you know especially that initial experience at odyssey house for that 11 months while I may have not got it right away and all that, it definitely changed me as a person and opened my mind, you know, to the possibility of being different and not thinking I was better than other people and because I was, what, pre-med smart, all that, I th- you know, I did carry this air of arrogance and, I, you know, that's not the person I want to be because that makes it really difficult to connect with people. And I want to connect with as many people as possible, and I, I really feel like I have a lot of experiences through yeah. my life, you know, from that stuff with sure. college and med- to being homeless on uh, for probably a total of close to four years on the streets. On no, the streets? Yeah, we're not talking like homeless, like in, in a hotel hopping, or which is homeless, but I'm talking like on the streets, making camps, building a treehouse, you know. Like that kind of homeless, uh, homeless. Homeless, homeless, homeless. Homeless, homeless. Can't you feel my feet and my fingers and my toes and stuff at night. Wake up, you know, wow. just lips are purple and blue because you're sleeping in a wet sleeping bag under a tarp behind a, you know, wow. freeway, Maverick, whatever. So.
0: I was thinking, think of the reverse when you mention names like Kim or Cheryl mm-hmm. or people like that. Mm-hmm. Think of how they feel when they hear you say something like this
1: <laughs> and how rewarding it is. Yeah.
0: To, yeah,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah. That's got. I hope. Yeah, that's got to be. You know. And I, I just, I feel like um, I needed to really work on myself to get to a place where I could help other people. You know. And so hopefully, I'll do that. However, whatever that looks like, whether it's you know, uh, doing drives for clothing and stuff like that, leading any of those things, any kind of volunteer project, whatever I can do. You know, a good friend of mine uh, does a program also for like uh, different. I like it's called Soap to Hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's an amazing friend of mine, and yeah, I'm really proud of her, and I'd like to do something like that even, you know?
0: So. There's a whole bunch for, because we have a lot of people watching and listening from around the world and around the country, not just in Utah, and and I venture to say, because I've, I've worked uh, in my old job on TV, I've worked in a lot of different states, and and. Utah or especially Salt Lake City has an awful lot of programs uh, of and, and nonprofits especially mm-hmm. to help people. Uh, Soap to Hope is a great one mm-hmm. uh, and they started out just you know, Oh, uh, I know. With, with uh, on <laughs> on North Temple, which is the area where prostitutes and drug addiction mm-hmm. and everything flourishes, mm-hmm. and they started out helping women who were being trafficked, and they just started out, and and then they got to be known, and it spread, and it grew. Odyssey House started out fifty some years ago at just one house, mm-hmm. and and now, it, now it's a huge organization. It's amazing, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. uh, and. And 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 if you are homeless, you've got to admit there are places to go to get free food or free clothes if you mm-hmm. need it. You can go down to St. Vincent de Paul or the Wigan Center.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, then there's just and then we have three homeless resource centers. Uh, and other people opening up when it's cold, really cold outside.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of resources like that. I and more and more. So like from the first time I was homeless till like the last time I was homeless, I mean just the resources had at least, you know, ten times as many sure. resources and so yeah, and I would just say also that uh, there aren't very many in Wyoming. Like so yeah. that was a whole different ball game, you know, and uh definitely I think Utah is, you know, one of the, has to be one of the the leaders in having resources for both homeless and addiction sure. recovery services. Sure. So. so what's your future look like? My future? Um, well... Uh, or don't you? <laughs> I have a baby on the way. Yeah, so, well, you know, all yeah, right. So sleepless I got a ba- nights. Sleepless nights. Um, you know, just really want to be involved in recovery, you know. Good for so, you. Um, that's... Something I haven't been as involved, you know, as maybe I should be for the, in the past year or so. The initial year and a half or two, I was, you know, really involved, but not not for the past year or so. And so I really want to stay connected, you know, um, and, and stay grounded. And I think there is a lot of it's really powerful when you can help someone else. It helps you at least as much or more when you do something to help another. I agree. I think I that's... Agree. That's where, like, you know, it's going to help keep me, you know, focused on what I'm doing with my life.
0: And you said mm-hmm. your parents had, had cut you off, and, and it was oh. like, you're out of our lives, right? Yeah, 100%, yeah. And, and,
1: and now... Uh, Yeah, so my brother's in law enforcement. We probably spoke twice in maybe four or five, six years, and so he actually is a special agent to the attorney general and does human trafficking. So, yeah, so he's got an amazing job and one of the best people I've ever you know come across. He was my best friend, and we just hadn't spoke. I wasn't involved in his life, and now like we we talk at least once a week or twice a week, and we meet. You know, we have a scheduled plan. You know, we go get wings every other weekend, and we yeah. have all this stuff we do. We have, you know, uh, we have parents? a tradition with Christmas now. Me and my brother established, and my parents, you know, we I talk to my mom or my dad at least every day. Um, cool. Yep, yep. Uh, they, you know, are an integral part of my life. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't be here without them. And, you know, they help us so much with having all the kids and stuff running around, and so... Yeah, they they are, like, they are everything. Like, they seriously, my dad is my role model. You know, I want to be just like him. He has, you know, every single quality that I think a man should have in this world. And so, you know, I, I really look up to him. And my mom, you know, has been, like, it was just me and her for quite some time, you know, when I was growing up. So she is the most hardworking, incredibly kind, loving, patient person in the world, and I'm grateful to have her in my life because she's an amazing influence on me and my girls. So,
0: and they, okay. <laughs> but they at some point exhibited tough love when you were mess- oh. when you were screwing up.
1: Yeah, so um, I would recommend anybody who is dealing with um, loved ones in addiction. Um, I would say, if I you know if I may, I would say get involved with some of that stuff that Al-Anon and stuff like that. Go to some groups, find some groups because they will help you stop enabling and help you you know, deal with the grief and pain that comes along with having someone struggling with addiction or if you've lost somebody in addiction. Uh, my mom has made lifelong friends in those groups and um, they have helped her through tough times and she's done the same for them and they are still there for each other now. I mean, it's if she didn't go to those, find a way to stop enabling me because she couldn't stop and um, I probably wouldn't. I, well, I wouldn't be here today, 100%. I would be dead. I would, if she would have kept enabling me, I would be dead. Thank goodness for boundaries, Yeah, right? <laughs> she set some boundaries and stuck to them, you know. It took her a couple of attempts, but she did it.
0: We're out of time. I, and the cool thing is that technically you have seven programs mm-hmm. and you're succeeding right now. Mm-hmm. So you're just the normal average <laughs> from, from around the country. I'll take it. You know, I'll take it. Thank you for joining us and sharing your story. Thank you, Nicole. Good to see you again. You too. And thank you for watching or listening to another edition of Odyssey House Journals.